0: Wonder wondrous knowledge to know that the answer to that question can it be is yes. Indeed, it was. Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter nine. 1 Corinthians chapter nine. We're looking at the last few verses of this chapter. First Corinthians chapter nine, verses twenty-four through twenty-seven. We'll read those and then we'll open up with a word of prayer. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to gather ourselves together. I pray now as we come to the message time that our hearts and minds are attentive to thee that the cares and distractions of this world we are setting aside so that our hearts and minds are focused on you and thy word, that as believers who are gathered here, we are yielded vessels ready for thee to work with your word in our hearts to change us into the image of Christ. I pray that we would be willing for those changes that you may seek to bring about and, Father, gladly accept them. Knowing that it is for our perfection. It is for the sanctifying work to see Christ conformed in our lives. So that he may be seen of all as they see us. Do that work of grace for that soul that may be lost here. Draw them unto thee this morning. May they not leave this place till they have full assurance of knowing that their sins have been forgiven. They've been given a new life in Christ. And we'll thank you for what you will accomplish. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we consider the great race, a couple weeks ago, I touched on running in a message. I thought we would come back to that topic as as Paul brings it up here, uh, because he uses running to illustrate some godly truths that we need as believers. Whether it's Paul speaking to the Corinthians, who would be familiar with the Ismithian games, that can be kind of funny on the tongue um, to call it the Isthmithian Games. Uh, but they were Olympic-type games that Corinth hosted, as well as the Olympic Games that Athens, a neighboring uh, Greece city, did as well. So these kinds of topics would not be unfamiliar to the Corinthian believers. They would know about the Isthmithian Games that came every other year. They would know about the Olympic Games in Athens, and uh, so it would be something very familiar to them to know in that first century about foot races. And in the case here, he expands further as well, fighting, um, but they would know about it and uh, would be familiar with it. And so it should be no surprise that running would find its way into the scriptures to help us understand our Christian life, and that's what Paul is doing here. Uh, As he is instructing the Corinthian church, as he is trying to see them molded and shaped into the image of Christ, being the believers that they ought to be instead of what they were, Uh, he brings in this illustration of of running uh, to help them understand spiritual truths. And, and we often do that. I mean, Christ has done it. The, the readers and the writers of Scripture put in these illustrations at times, again, to help us understand. And God has them there to help us understand because it doesn't do any good to read the Scriptures and then not understand them. Because if we can't understand them, then what good are they to us? You know, we, we don't give an Algebra two book Uh, to the typical first grader, do we? Say, here, here's math. Go at it. A plus B equals C. No, one plus one equals two. What's this A and B? That's the alphabet. They wouldn't understand. They need maturing. They need much more of mathematics to understand what that A and B equals C is all about. God does the same thing with us. He helps us understand by giving us these these, uh, natural, physical things that we can associate with and show us that there can be some spiritual uh, insight that helps us understand about our Christian life. Because, I mean, when we look at everything, when we first trusted Christ, did we understand everything about the Christian life? To be quite honest, after 40, oh, I'll lose track of time, I'd have to do the math again, uh, 40 plus years of salvation, I'm still learning the truths that God has for me. But I definitely back then in 1974 didn't understand much about the Christian life. And I, I've, I've noted that before, you know, I getting a new pocket New Testament, which I now have in my desk here, uh, found it in some boxes of things, as I've told... the the, the story of getting a, uh, a little New Testament from the Gideons. They came through the, the public school that I was at in, in Elkhart, Indiana, and uh, I found it in my bin uh, that was where I kept my things and uh, found out that the Gideons were in. They had given every student a, a little pocket New Testament, um, which I have always kept in my desk uh, in my office. Um, And I have in there the date that I received it. Um, And it is special to me because it opened up the Word of God to me. Prior to that, I didn't have a Bible that was mine. We had a big, huge, white family Bible that Mom would put on the coffee table. And occasionally, us kids would open it up. We would see the pictures. We weren't reading it. We would open it up and see the pictures that were throughout and uh, look at those. I never read that book. But that little New Testament was mine. And I did start reading it. And looking back, I can see God was unfolding things. That was a preparation to bring me to salvation just a couple years later. But it put some seed thoughts in my heart and mind as I considered the things that I was reading about that is in 1971. We move two years later, and there's that church bus coming and knocking on our trailer door. Or not the church bus knocking on the trailer door. The bus driver of the church bus knocking on our trailer door inviting us to come to church. And showing us in a much more uh, hands-on fashion what it means to know Christ as he came and invited us and kept coming back and coming back and coming back every Saturday, every Sunday, unrelenting to tell us about Christ. Hearing those messages when we would come in in Sunday school class and in the preaching until finally a year later I would trust Christ. I believe a lot of that started because there was that little pocket New Testament placed in my bin as a fifth grader that caught my eye, caught my heart, and I started to read the Word of God. He's taught me a lot since then. Because as I said, I thought, well, they're going to come back next year when I'm a sixth grader, and I'm going to get an Old Testament. No, that didn't happen. They didn't give a whole Bible either, for that matter, but in my simple understanding of things, that's what I thought was going to happen. i get an Old Testament then, the sixth grade year. Uh, I didn't know a whole lot back then, and, uh, but God has taught us along the way, and so as he gives us this idea of a foot race, every runner, as he stands at the starting line, longs, I think, to win his race. I know I did when I ran track in high school. I didn't win any of my races that I ran. But that's always in the mind, I'm going to win this race crossing the finish line first. And so he gives us that here um, to help us understand, so what does it take to run and ultimately finish well this race that is called the Christian life? I think of running, and, and I'm not a runner now, I haven't done running for quite some time, I would probably be back like I was as a ninth grader trying out for track. I probably could not run a half, well, I know I can't run a half mile right now. Um, I don't know that I would want to try running right now. I'll let the ankle completely heal before I try that. But let's get that part out of the mix. If I could run right now, I don't know that I could run a complete half mile. I would probably be back when I was as a freshman in high school walking across the finish line. I might start off running, but I couldn't sustain it for a half mile because I, I haven't done a lot of running. But may we finish? And Paul brings this up that we have this idea of running and uh, that picture, and I trust that we have that in our mind's eye, whether it's something that we've done ourselves in times past in a previous part of our life or whether we've watched the Olympic events after running I liked it that was the only year that I, I participated in any track until like college I ran for my society. I wasn't running uh, to win the race because I knew I couldn't I was taking a PE class in my day we were required in college to take uh, two years of physical education in our freshman and sophomore years, and I was in my first semester of my sophomore year, and I took a Foundations of Fitness class that required us to run. And uh, I did it on purpose. Most people didn't know what it was, and so they took the class and found out, oh, this is running. Well, it was, but it was also instructing us about our bodies. I appreciated that, but we would run. But I did it purposely because I knew I needed some exercise. And uh, I wanted to run and try to do better than I did as a freshman in high school. I participated in a half-mile track event, and my desire wasn't to win the race, because I knew I had only just started running again at the beginning of the semester. But I wanted to better my best freshman year half-mile. And God provided that as they were counting off the times as I crossed the finish line, I beat my old time. I thanked God for that, that I had done enough work and exercise that I could do that. And so as we consider racing, and I would always get nervous when I'd watch the Olympics, I'd watch runners, I would get that same tenseness that I had back when I was running races. And I wasn't the one running, I was just watching them. But as we watch those events and we be at the Olympics, we're typically going to be rooting for the American teams to win their events, their heats, and and progress to the final event. There's that excitement watching them. I would always watch and the drilling of my coach, you know, don't look to your left, don't look to your right. I'd see track runners be looking around, and I'd be yelling at the television screen, stop looking! Keep your focus on the finish line. God wants us to do that And uh, so let us look at this Christian life, if you will, as believers, as we see it in relationship to running a race and what the runners do. And Paul touches on some of this here. We'll look at other passages of Scripture as well. But as we consider what Paul puts here, we need a disciplined life. We come back to this verse, these verses here. He notes to us, that every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things, self-disciplined. Again, going back to that freshman year, if we were going to be on the track team, you had to be there for practice after school when practices were called. That took discipline. You needed to stay after school and not go home. And go play or do your homework or whatever. That was going to have to come later. You were going to have to come and exercise and work out and train. It takes discipline to run. It takes discipline, if you will, in the Christian life. We have a new life in Christ that has been given to us. And for many, it is typically an unusual life. Unless we trusted Christ at a a very young age, or we grew up in church, if you will, in a good godly church that was teaching us these truths, and we would come to Christ. That wasn't me. As I've said, yes, I've been to, went to a Baptist church in San Pedro, California as as a little child, but I don't have memories of it except, again, as I said, remembering singing at Christmas standing on the platform with our Sunday school class and trying to hide behind a Christmas tree that was there so that I wasn't seen while we were singing. I can remember the room that we were in, kind of shadows coming through some windows. I don't remember the Sunday school teacher at all. I have an an advancement certificate when I moved from kindergarten to the first grade. I have a coloring sheets that my mom put in my scrapbook Those are the memories of that church, which isn't much. There is no memory of ever hearing that Christ died in my place for my sins and that I needed to trust him as my Savior. So there is no, if you will, helping me understand what the Christian life is after I trusted Christ because I had been growing up in it all my life. I didn't know anything. just as as much as not knowing what I was going to be put through when I tried out for track. I didn't know what to expect. And sometimes I thought maybe this wasn't worth it. But As I saw the improvements, I thought it was worth it. I could run a half mile. I could run farther than that. I saw that the benefit of that disciplined life was being paid off. There's benefit in art Believers, believers' life of being disciplined. There is the spiritual discipline, a, a disciplined devotional life. Do we have that? Again, it's not something, these things don't come naturally. We need to teach them, teach them in our Sunday school, teach them in our church services, teach them in our, our families that there is a, a spiritual aspect here that needs some discipline. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, God speaking to Joshua with the death of Moses, as Joshua is now the leader, told him this, "'This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success.'" God was establishing early on for Joshua. Get into the book. That book of the law, specifically the first five books, which is all of the Bible, if you will, that Joshua had at the time. Study these first five books, Joshua meditate on them day and night, take time to be in the Word of God. So it begs the question, do we take time each day to be in the Word of God as believers? God expects us to. It's His Word. He gave it to us. It's not there to be made into a a nicely looking family Bible that weighs half a ton that you sit on the coffee table and it looks pretty. It's to be read. It's to be well used. Because it is our source of, of life. It is our source of strength. It is what God uses to instruct us to help us. So that we would have good success, as you will, to use the, the words here that uh, God gives to Joshua. And, and I mean, as we look at these things, these are messages all in, in themselves. I mean, I'm just going to touch on, on these verses, but Do we take time in the Word of God each day? I remember, again, as a new believer, I don't recall it being mentioned specifically to me. But after 1975, in the spring or the summer of that year, we moved from eastern North Carolina to the D.C. area for two years, and we didn't go to church there. parents' faults for part of it. My father had just trusted Christ the summer before we moved up there. So he's a new believer. Mom isn't really saved. She would come to really know Christ later, but she claimed to be a believer. But situations and circumstances put us that we just didn't go to church for those years. But while we were there, and I'm moving into ninth grade, tenth grade there, God pressed upon my heart, I need to be reading this book. I didn't know that it was called Devotions, but I just started reading. By then I had a full Bible. I wasn't relying on that little New Testament. But I started reading it for myself. Taking time to understand who God is to me as a believer, what it is... I wouldn't say what it is that he wants out of me because my mind was still focused This is, here's my plan I'm in high school I'm planning to go to the Naval Academy to be, an Air Force, to be a Navy pilot and fly an F-14 Tomcat that's my plan and that's what I was working towards I didn't know God had a plan for my life that would come later but I knew I needed to be reading this book. It's God's word. It's, it's what he wants me to know about him. I didn't know that it was also to help me know about myself, but I was learning that. But we need to have a disciplined life in that, that we are taking time. I was listening to a short clip on, on Facebook. A friend was sharing. We make time, and I've said this for decades myself, We take time for the things that we consider important. We always make time for those things. It doesn't matter whether they're really important or not. What we think is important, we make time for. It could be a frivolous thing to some other people, but it's important to us, and so we make time for it. We always have time for the things that we want to accomplish. The question is, do we want to read God's word for ourselves? Do we want to take time and set it aside in our lives to sit down and read the word of God for ourselves? To take time to pray. To have, as the wilds would call it, the my God and I time. Taking that time when it's just me and him. I'm sitting with him, I'm sitting with his word in my lap, and I'm reading, and I'm letting him be at work in my heart. That takes discipline. It takes a commitment on our part to say, you know what? I'm setting aside this time. It's my time. Say, but I have a family, I have growing kids. It will always be a challenge As I look back through our time, my devotion time in the morning, I like it in the morning, got earlier and earlier as our two daughters came along. Because their needs cried out when they were little, literally. I need you, Mom and Dad. And so my time would back up. Okay, I can't do it at this time because I've got these interruptions that need to be addressed right now, and it's hard to get back to it and get the frame of mind back into reading the Word of God and praying. And so my time would back up. And I would get up earlier so that I had that quiet time. That takes discipline. God will give us the strength to do those things, but there's a spiritual discipline. There's a disciplined thought life. We learn new things in the scriptures as we read. Our thought life, what's it like? Paul to the Philippians said in chapter 4, verse 8, Finally, brethren, and like many preachers, he's not finally done yet, but he's getting there. But he says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report... If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Do the things we think on, our thought life, are they disciplined into this realm? They should be. Paul's telling us, God's telling us, think on these things. Unfortunately, in our day and age in which we live, Isaiah's proclamation of truth having fallen in the streets... It's pretty much out there. People don't care about the truth anymore. Because if we did, we wouldn't have a lot of fact checkers tossing out information that they don't like. I'm not saying that everything out there that has been said is the truth. But I'm saying our society isn't concerned with the truth. They're concerned with agendas. They're concerned with certain things that may or may not be true. And so Isaiah's statement, I I find it's fulfillment in our day. Truth is fallen in the streets. People don't really care about it. But yet if we don't have the truth, you're in dire straits. But we are to think on those things that are true that are honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report. These things that have virtue and praise, they are the ones, things to be consuming our thoughts. And so do we put the things that we think on through the, this sieve of Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 to see whether or not it fits? If it doesn't, then should we be thinking on those things? And the answer is obviously No. They need to be set aside. Our thoughts need to be on these kinds of things, and that takes, yes, discipline. God will give us the ability to do so as we start to take those steps. Discipline moral life. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Every farmer knows the principle of sowing and reaping. You're going to reap what you sow, always. That truth holds true in our lives as believers. How many of us that are particularly older have heard people say, well, he was just sowing his wild oats. And what was reaped of that sowing? Good stuff? No. Because typically that phrase was used for those that were doing things that we knew were wrong. Well, if you're going to do things that you know are wrong, then what is going to be reaped of doing things that are wrong? Wrong. No good is going to come of that. No good ever did. Paul gives us that principle right here to the Galatians. The principle of sowing and reaping. What you sow, you are going to reap. If you reap, if you sow the flesh... You're going to reap the flesh and it's going to be corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap life everlasting. Corruption, life everlasting. You would think that would be an easy choice. But we're challenged with that on a daily basis, aren't we? We are. But God gives us the strength to discipline ourselves to be sowing that which is spiritual. But it happens by getting ourselves in this book, reading it, and then letting God instruct us and change us from the inside out, moment by moment, day by day. But it takes discipline. And that becomes easier. For the runner, again, I can go by my own experience. It was hard to stay after school initially. Why in the world are we doing these things? You know, we'd talk afterwards. They're trying to kill us. They're trying to make us sick. You know, so-and-so, he threw up after a while. Oh, yeah, I know, mine hurts too. Oh. But as time progressed, we saw the benefit. Again, personally, not being able to run those three laps around the parking lot or two laps around the track. Literally not being able to run it to the point where by the end, I could run 20 of those laps. Yeah, there's been some improvement. What he has done has been good for me. We may not always see it at the beginning, even spiritually speaking. We may not understand it. We may not see it fully. But as time progresses, we will see the benefit of it. As God continues to work and mold and shape and change us. But it's going to take discipline. And God gives us the strength to do so. We need direction. As I've said, in in running the race, our coach would always tell us you're looking to the finish line, you're running your race. Do not look at the guy to the right or to the left. They're running their race, you're running yours. You set your pace, and you run your race. You have your eyes set on that finish line. Paul to the Philippians in chapter 3. Again, touching on this same idea, has the same uh, illustration here of running. He says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Paul the apostle he said, I haven't arrived, I haven't completely grasp everything that God has for me. It says, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Again, it's a running illustration here. I am pressing, I am agonizing, I am leaning forward to that prize that God has for me in Christ Jesus. We have a direction, believer. It is Jesus Christ. Our finish line as a believer is heaven. The process, if you will, that started the moment we trusted Christ as our Savior, salvation, being born again. Having a spiritual life that's been born inside of us, a new life in Christ. That was the starting point. There is now the sanctifying work of God changing us fully into the image of Christ. We call it the Christian life. And its end point is when we stand in God's presence in a body like unto our Savior's body, perfect. We are already accepted in the Beloved. We are already seated in the heavenlies with our Savior. But God is growing and strengthening us, and he's given us a direction. Look to Jesus Christ. We cannot look back, he tells us here, forgetting those things which are behind Even the good things in our life in the sense that we don't need to be sitting back on what we used to do and glory in those things. Well, I used to be a such and such, and I used to do this for the Lord, and I used to do that. That's fine for them. What about now? We still have life and breath. We still have opportunity to serve. Christ, speaking to the disciples in Luke chapter 9, said, And Jesus said unto them, unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. The guy behind the plow, if he's going to plow a straight furrow, as I understand it, I've never done it, but as I have talked to farmers and understand these things, if you're behind your plow, you set a point across the field and you look at it in order to plow a straight furrow. That's your point of reference and that's what you plow to. Because if you put your hand to the plow and start looking back... You're not going to end up with a straight furrow. Put it in kind of modern terms, put your hand to the wheel and look forward in your car. Don't look back. Looking back while driving forward is not conducive for your health or anyone else's for that matter. We need to be looking forward. My my mom when we traveled from California to Washington State, she didn't want to drive through the mountains of Northern California into Oregon. She has been afraid, of, she was afraid of heights. She's not now, she's in heaven. So she's not afraid of heights anymore because she's in heaven. So um, that's not a fearful thing for her anymore. But she didn't want to drive through that. She ended up doing it. But we as kids, we're having fun looking out the window. Ooh, wow. Seeing some mountains, if you will, some valleys. Looked like train layouts, the way it looked to me. We were oohing and awing and telling mom, and she said, Stop. Where I look is where the car goes. And she didn't want to go down those valley sides. We must look forward. We have Jesus Christ, as the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He is our focus point. He is who we are looking to. He's the direction that we're heading. He's in heaven waiting for us. And we do so biblically. He says, I press toward the mark in Philippians. We do so biblically. We live for God according to his plan, not ours. Paul telling Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 5, and he tells us here too in, in 1 Corinthians 9 if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. We've got to live the Christian life according to God and how he wants it lived. It's not up for me to decide how I want to live the Christian life. It's his life. And he has shown us how to live it. It's here. So again, it brings us back to that first point. We need to be in God's word. How is he going to instruct us and show us unless we are there looking at his word? We need to be dressed for the race Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. We touched on this, and this is where we kind of bring it back forward to today. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. He says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We need to be dressed for the race, we need to get rid of those things that are unnecessary. To run the race. He puts it in kind of two categories. Lay aside those weights. Anybody that trains for running will typically often put on extra weight to do some training in. Whether it's putting ankle weights on and doing certain training with it. You didn't necessarily run with it, but you trained with it. And then when it came time for the race, you took them off. And it felt like you were standing in error because you had all that extra weight holding you down, and now it was off, and it, oh, this really feels good. But you set them aside. Why? Because they're, they're good things, but not in running the race. And there are things to be set aside. Again, I think back to my life as a young believer, As a teenager, as a high school student, my goal was to fly that F-14 for the Navy. That was mine. Was it a good thing? Sure. Serving our country, that's a good thing. Following in the footsteps of my father, who was at the time serving in the Navy, knowing that his dad had served and, and helped train men for World War II, an uncle who served in World War II. Various cousins who were serving in the Navy and the Marines, unfortunately. But, you know, <laughs> serving. You've got to understand, I grew up in a Navy family. So that, that rub between Marines and Navy will always be there. I, I, under, I know those things. And I have a brother-in-law that is a Marine. And he has sons that are Marines, so we have fun in our family when we get together with that rub between sailors and marines. But it was a good thing. But as I got older in high school and God was working in my heart, showing me that's not the direction that I want you to take. I have a plan for your life. Yes, you've understood. You didn't know that as a younger fellow. But now you do. Learn from it. Set, I set it aside. To serve God. Confess our sins. Lay aside those weights and sins with dust so he beset us. God gives us the blessed knowing that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a precious promise we can confess. Those sins need not hang over us. Yes, he died on the cross to save us. And he knows that we are still sinners saved by God's grace. And he gives us provision to keep a short account. When they're revealed, bring them to God. Confess it. He'll cleanse us. There's a story in Eric Little's life. He was a Scotsman who, a century ago, was called the Flying Scotsman. He was a runner. He would be known in the 1924 Olympics as the man who chose God over country. When he wouldn't run a race on Sunday. But early on in his track career, he was in a race, and he got bumped out of his lane and into the infield. And thinking that he had been disqualified, was about ready to give up running his race. But as you, as you may know in, in Track events. There are judges around watching you to make sure you stay in your lane and all of that. One of the judges saw what happened and told him, Get up and run. You hadn't been disqualified. And so he did just that. He got up, mustering everything within him, and he ran his race. Now he ran rather unorthodox. He ran with his head up, looking to heaven. And he ran. And he ran. And when he finished, he was in first and had won the race that he thought he had been disqualified in, but he wasn't. May we understand that there are times when we may mess up in our race. I mean, have any of us lived a perfect life since we trusted Christ? I didn't expect to see hands. We've all had our ups and downs. But we're still here. We still have a race to run. There's still more of it to run. Our races run until we're in God's presence. That's the finish line. So may we seek his forgiveness where we have and then get back up and get running because there's a race to be run there's a finish line to go to. May we finish strong as God gives us breath and strength. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for thy word. We thank you for the truth that is here. May we also run the race that you've set before us. Run it with patience. It's a marathon. It's a lifelong endeavor. Father, where there are sins, may we seek thy forgiveness. Where there are things that need to be set aside, may we do so. That we may run the race that you've set before us. Father, we thank you for these illustrations that help us to understand spiritual truths. May we go forth serving you in a way that pleases you, that brings honor and glory to you that brings us closer to Christ-likeness. Do that work now with your word in our hearts. And may we faithfully run the race that you've set before us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.